What a great day it's been. You know, uh, we're this Christmas season, as we uh, engage the Word of God on Sunday mornings, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Thank you, buddy. Um, grateful that you're here. And one of the things that I'm praying, prayerful about is that we can put together this incredible puzzle of the Christmas story. And, you know, without a doubt, the coming of Christ was the focal point of human history. When you think about what happened and all the things that took place uh, just historically, but if you put spiritual glasses on and looked at the spiritual battle that, that is, has, has raised, raged in the world from the beginning, that, that moment of Christ coming to earth was the focal point of human history. And so much took place at the coming of Jesus. And, and, and you know, one of the things that we've tried to embrace and unpack this Christmas season as we, as we just walk with the Lord in 2018 is that last week we looked at how the coming of Christ was perfectly predicted. It was predicted by these prophets, and, and, and if you weren't able to be with us last week, I hope you go online and, 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 and get a glimpse of that, get a grasp of that, of the prophets that spoke of these things. And, and, uh, and, and you know, as these prophets uh, shot these arrows of, of truth, through, of prophecies throughout the history of the world, they all fell on Jesus. It was perfectly predicted. And, and, and you know, this morning we're going to kind of continue that puzzle piece and, and look at how it was perfectly planned. I mean, it was planned to perfection. I mean, God's plan was, it was incredible as you look at how it unfolded. And then next week we're going to um, unpack a little history and look how it was perfectly executed. And then right before Christmas, it was just came at the perfect time. Now, now the background, the, the launching pad to this entire series is found in Galatians chapter 4. In Galatians 4, Paul is writing to these believers, and he, and he makes this statement in Galatians 4. He says, when the fullness of time had come. Turn over there real quick. I want you to see this. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. It's not our main text today, but it's one I want you to see. Paul writes, but when the fullness of time had come. That's a, that's, that phrase is a Greek word, one Greek word called pleroma, which means it was complete. It was perfect. It was totality. And Paul writes, when, when this perfect time, the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. Born of a woman, born under the law. For what? To, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, we're going to unpack this on December 23rd. But, but this is the launching pad for this entire series, that, that it was the perfect time for Jesus to come. Now, the background of this, where, where God spoke to me about Christmas this year was in, uh, in March. Last March, I was in Cambodia, and there's a family in our church, the Roarks. They have a ministry in Cambodia, and, and, and I got to go and speak to all these pastors in Cambodia. And I was making this argument to these pastors as I was training them that, that it was the perfect time for Jesus to come into the world. The first century was the perfect time. And I, and I was kind of unpacking that idea. And this, the, one of the most seasoned pastors walked up to me afterwards and he said, I'm so glad you shared this because I've, I've always wondered why didn't God, why didn't Jesus come when we had CNN? Because, you know, if you have CNN, they can broadcast it all over the place. And uh, probably because there was too much conflict now. Uh, but, but the reality is, um, 
the first century was the perfect time. And he just, this pastor just said, you know, I've walked with the Lord for many years, and I've never sat down to consider why it was the perfect time. Well, it was perfectly predicted. It was perfectly planned. Now, as we, as we dive into this idea, I want us to um, really turn to Luke chapter 1. And, and as you turn there, uh, um, uh, Luke chapter 1 is, is this, this incredible story of John the Baptist. Now, uh, in your notes, if you have your notes, I, hope you, I want you to pull them out because I've made a mistake in the notes. And it's my fault because um, now your point number one is not incorrect, but it's incorrect for my sermon today, so I need you to correct it. Um, uh, it's not theologically incorrect, but it's wrong. I made a mistake with the wrong prophet. I, I constantly um, uh, switch Malachi and Micah. So point number one is this. The prophet Micah closes the Old Testament with the promise of John the Baptist. So if you could make that note, that'd make me feel better uh, because that's kind of where we're going today. But, but point number one is this. The prophet Micah closes the Old Testament with the promise of a Messiah. Now, before we... Yeah, see? I do this all the time. See? Thank you. My wife is like, you're wrong. I was like, okay. So I, I, I got that look, and I've seen that look before. Um, and so I was like, whoopsie. So you, will you help me get that right today? Because I'm probably going to mess that up all day long. Um, the prophet Malachi closes the Old Testament with the promise of the Messiah. So keep your finger in Luke 1, and I want you to turn to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. Malachi is a prophet, and, and, and you know what? He was the last prophet in the Old Testament. Now, what's interesting, we're going to kind of unpack this next week as we go History Channel on you a little bit next week, but, um, but, but Malachi was the last prophet. After Malachi, it was over 400 years God's people had not seen a prophet in 400 years after Malachi. And Malachi writes in Malachi 3.1, I want you to look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. God is telling him, Micah, I'm going to send my messenger who's going to prepare the way before me. Jesus was God with skin on. That's very important. And, And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom I delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So Micah gets this message from God. There's a messenger that's going to come. Malachi, dadgummit. Malachi gets this message. Thank you. Please help me. Come on, you got to talk to me today. I love it. I love it. Talk to me today. Um, okay, verse, look at Malachi 4, verse 5. Look at this. Malachi writes this, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Now, remember Elijah? He was the prophet, one of the prophets. He was the prophet that never died, Elijah. And and he says, Elijah's going to come back, he says. The great and awesome day of the Lord, excuse me, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So Malachi gets this message that, that okay, this Elijah is going to come. 
And I bet Malachi's like, okay, Elijah's coming back. Okay, I, okay, good. Elijah's coming back. Now go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, this, I, w- I want you to see what took place. Malachi gets this message of the day of the Lord. Let's, let's think about that for a second. The day of the Lord. That first Christmas, that very first Christmas was a day of the Lord when Jesus came as Savior. Now, now that was a big day. A day of the Lord, when the Lord moves, and and the Bible speaks of these days that are very significant. The day of the Lord came that first Christmas when Jesus entered human history. God himself came as the Savior. Now, here's what's interesting. Do you know that we are currently living in the days of grace as people come to faith in Christ? That's the days we're living in. We get to live in the day of grace. You know, we, we are in these very, very important days where we get to see salvation happen. Just this week, one of our college students, I got to lead him to Christ. And it was so cool sitting in my office as he's processing his thoughts. And he's like, you know, God's speaking to me. And, and, and he was like, oh my goodness, I've been saved. And it was just so fun to watch how God saved him this week. And, and we are in this day of grace as we get to see people come to Christ. But let me tell you something, the Bible also speaks of a day of the Lord that is in our future. There is coming a future day of the Lord called Judgment Day. And folks, Micah gets this message, this day of the Lord has, Malachi, gum. Malachi gets this message that, I'm really not doing that on purpose, I promise. Um, the day of the Lord is coming. And, and, and then Luke 1. And you see this, this man, John the Baptist. He's one of my favorite characters of Scripture. In, in, in Luke 1, it tells his story. And, and, and John the Baptist is so interesting to me. And understanding his story is so important. He was the son of Elizabeth and Zechariah. And, and they, Zechariah was a, was a priest, and it's interesting, as Malachi's prediction comes, comes true, he talks about before the last prophet says, there's going to be these, this corruption that's going to take place in the world. And sure enough, as, as Zechariah, this priest, is, is serving the Lord, the, the priests are known to be very corrupt during Zechariah's time. It's almost like the blind leading the blind here. And, and the Romans are in charge, and, and we'll unpack some of that history next week. But, but, but Zechariah is, is one of these priests. Josephus is a historian, and he tells us that at this time of Zechariah, there were about 20,000 priests in, in Israel that, that would, would come, and they would be chosen by lot, uh, and, and they could be, go into the inner part of the temple to offer sacrifices for the, the sins of God's people. And, and this is kind of, they were in the temple worship, and the, the veil of the temple is there, and they would go into the inner of the Holy of Holies. And, 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 and sure enough, one autumn, right around the first century, Zachariah and Elizabeth are this couple who was called righteous. They were different than a lot of the priests that were, were, were in power and were serving them. They were righteous before the Lord, but they were barren. They couldn't have any children. And, and so they were older now, and so they've kind of given up on that idea of children. And, and Zechariah goes to the temple, and his lot was drawn. 
And this was interesting because the priest, you, would, you could serve your whole life and, and, and never be chosen by lot to go into the inner part of the temple because you would go in by yourself. But hey, just so happened that right at this time, God perfectly executes his plan and, and, he, and, and Zachariah's lot was chosen. And he goes in to the, the temple. And, and you know what's interesting about this? If you were chosen as a priest to go into the inner part of the temple, do you know that, that you would never get to go again? You, you get to go one time in your life. Zechariah was like, okay, this is my moment. He goes into the temple. They tied a rope around him because if they knew that, okay, the presence of God is there. So, so if he dies in there, we got to pull him out because ain't nobody going and getting him. And, and so Zechariah goes in to the temple. He goes into the inner part and he walks in and all of a sudden right next to the altar is the angel Gabriel. And he's like, I'm supposed to be alone. Oh my goodness, there's an angel there. Had to have just startled him. And, And the angel says to Zachariah, hey buddy, I've been waiting for you to come in here. And essentially, Chris Wall version of that story is, is, hey, your wife's gonna have a baby. And it's going to be a big deal because he's the forerunner of the Messiah. You know, you know what Zechariah did? He laughed at Gabriel. Okay, can I tell you something? If, if an angel shows up in your life, you're going to know it. Okay, I promise you will know it. It's not going to be like, oh, who are you? What's up with you? You're going to be like, oh, you're an angel. And if he tells you something, do not look at him and laugh. Don't do it. But he does. Chokes. He totally choked in the moment. And, um, and the angel said, okay, you're not going to be able to speak or hear until this comes to pass. So he's in there an awkward amount of time. Finally, they pull him, they, he comes out. People are like, dude, I thought you were dead. <laughs> and, and he can't speak. He can't hear. And they're like, dude, what has gone on? He, finally, he goes home. He learns charades. You know, he, he communicates to Elizabeth. Hey, this is what's going on. That's where charades started. You can do the biblical history. Um, and, and, and she gets the word that I'm going to have a baby. This would be like somebody at Baptist Village going, honey, we're going to be pregnant. Woohoo! You know? Um, this is like, but Elizabeth, when she gets this news, she goes, awesome. Thank you, Lord, you've answered my prayer. And, and John the Baptist is born. Now, what I love about John the Baptist, because right around this time, Mary gets the word. Luke 1 tells the story about Mary getting the word that, that she is now with child. Gabriel visits her. She goes to see Elizabeth, and she's pregnant with John. And what happens right when John or Elizabeth is in the presence of Mary? What has happened? John leapt within her womb. Now, I have no idea what that is like. Some of you ladies that have had been great with child like my wife, and I've learned to never say, oh, honey, I understand when that moment was going on. Uh, I, I can't imagine what it's like to have something leap within our, our, my stomach. Now, you, the, those of you that have had children, you get a better glimpse of that. But what I love about what John did the second that he was in, he was in the presence of Mary. Jesus had already been conceived. He leapt 
within her womb. And I love this about him. Now, what I want us to do as we look at this text today, this morning we're going to pick up right after Zechariah can speak. The moment he can speak. And in Luke chapter 1 gives us his prophecy, Zechariah's prophecy. And would you stand with me and let's read this together. Luke 1, 67 through 80 says this. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by mouth, by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. In verse 80, the child grew and became strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now, now this was perfectly executed. Zechariah now, the first time he speaks, he utters this prophecy, and oh, what a beautiful prophecy it was. And basically, what is he saying about John? Point, point number two is this. John's call was to expose sin and salvation. This was John's call. This was the, this, this was the call of his life. Now, Look back at Luke 1, verse 13. And, 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 and the angel said to him, verse 13 says, the angel said to, to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. What's interesting is Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying for a son, but, it, but they'd probably given up. And he goes, look, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. You know, this was unusual. Because most of the time when you had a son, you named him after yourself. No one in their family had been named John. But he said, you're going to name him John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he was a Nazarite. He must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. And look at this. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just 
to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Now again, to remind you what Malachi said, Malachi 4.5, he says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day the Lord comes. And look at what he says, verse 6, Isaiah, or excuse me, in Malachi, and he will turn the hearts of their children, of their fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And it's amazing how God perfectly executes his plan. And this is what God does. Let's walk through Zechariah's prophecy for just a minute. Zechariah tells this about his son. And and I want you to see the beauty of this forerunner because the plan of a forerunner, you know what it reveals? It reveals the power of God. And folks, let me tell you something. The reason that I think this Christmas is so important is that we need to understand how powerful God is. He's powerful. That's why we worship him. This is why we honor him. This is why we give him all we have and serve him with all we have. Verse 68, Zechariah says in his prophecy, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Anytime you see in Scripture that word horn, it's the, the horn of an animal represents their strength and, and their power. That's why, uh, that's, that's what a horn is in, a, in an animal, that they use it for power and protection. And Zechariah says we have a, a, the protection, the power of salvation has come to us. Uh, you know, it's interesting as you look at Zechariah, he gives us this knowledge of salvation. And, and, and you know, when I think about salvation, I think about the Lord's Supper, our knowledge of salvation, it reveals the patience of God, doesn't it? Isn't it amazing how patient God is with us? I, I hold those elements and think about that the, the sacrifice that was given for me. And God's patience with me has been motivating moves me to honor him. And Zechariah says this, look at verse 70. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Do you know it's amazing that God would save us? I mean, think about the children of Israel, how rebellious they were to him. How, how often they, I mean, they disobeyed the prophets. They ignored the prophets. That, that, and, and you know, we're the same way, aren't we? I mean, how, how patient God has been with us that, that he sent a Savior even though he knew that we were going to be ungrateful, we were going to disobey him willfully, we were going to disobey him just um, without understanding. We just, we're just disobedient people. And yet God rescued us. And what did he do? He, he delivered us, verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. And the miracle of Jesus coming when he did is, is Jesus didn't come to deliver mankind from, a, from an earthly enemy. Who's our enemy? It's Satan. It's, he has the grip on people. And, and Satan has had power over people. And Jesus came to set us free from the grip of the real enemy the one who hates us, and he, he looked, verse 72, to show mercy 
promise to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And, and when I look at Zechariah's prophecy, it's so beautiful. As God gave us the gift of salvation. And this is why I don't want to go through the motions at Christmas time. Just be flipping about, oh yeah, we, we, we read Luke 2, we look at this story, it's Christmas time. No, it's, it, it moves us to say, God, we're going to honor you. We're going to walk with you. And I think about this, this, the fact that God sent a messenger to warn us. Do you know, do you know that idea, that idea of alone? The fact that he has warned us about our need of a savior. He's warned us about an upcoming judgment. You know, we live in a world that when, when me as a preacher starts talking about judgment, they go, oh, you're just one of those hellfire and brimstone preachers. Aren't you grateful that we know about the hell? We're warned about the hellfire and brimstone. Because here's the deal. The warning of a coming judgment proclaims the love of God. And the fact that God would perfectly execute his plan and send a messenger to warn the world that you need to be saved. You know, in 2002, I'll never forget this. 2002, that was when uh, the barge hit the bridge on I-40. Remember that? There was a barge coming down the Arkansas River and it took out part of the bridge at I-40 and, and, and there were some people in my life. I remember that because uh, that was when Justin Sullivan died and there were some other people in my life and that, that happened shortly after that event. And so those events are connected in my mind. And um, um, you know what, what the Department of Transportation did? They, they fixed that highway very rapidly. It was amazing. It was, a, it was really amazing how quickly they fixed I-40. But they rightly put up a sign that said, the bridge is out. Because people are driving down I-40 70 miles an hour or like my wife, like 70, 85. Um, and, and so you do sometimes. Um, and that's not in my notes, Sorry. Sorry, that's not my name. Um, but, but, but you know what? The warning was an act of grace. It was an act of grace, right? Saying, hey, there's a warning. And see, what I love about this prophecy is this warning shows the act of grace. And look at what he says, verse 76. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And let's be careful that when we hear that word about the people that sit in darkness, we don't go, oh, I know some of those people. That's us. We were those who were sitting in darkness in the shadow of death 
and John came to guide our feet into the way of peace. The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Now, when I look at John, he was a little weird. He was a little different. He was in the wilderness, and he, he was a little different. But can I tell you, he's such an important example to us as we look at how this plan of God was perfectly executed, that he sent this forerunner to warn people, uh, and, and he was different. And folks, I, it reminds me of what we're supposed to be like. You know, we're supposed to be a little weird, a little different. Point number three is this. I love John the Baptist. I love how this, it's important that we understand this character in the Christmas story because pointing others to Christ is the call for every believer. I love how John's whole purpose was to point others to Christ. Do you know what Jesus said about him? Matthew 11 tells this incredible story as John was, was, um, he was uh, in prison. He's about to have his head cut off. John the Baptist is right in the middle of God's will and and he's serving the Lord exactly where he's supposed to be and he's about to die. Uh, That's something to really consider. Matthew 11 tells the story as John is struggling with, he's wondering, Jesus, are you really the Messiah? He sent his disciples to, to, to ask, are you really the one? He's doubting a little bit. And and Jesus said to his disciples, look, just look at what I'm, just tell John what you've seen and heard from me. The, the, The sick are being healed. And then Matthew 11, 11, they go back and tell him. And Jesus looks at his disciples and says, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus, in this moment, gives John the greatest compliment, saying, nobody in all the history of the world is greater than John the Baptist. But he also gives us this reality of heaven, the promise of heaven in the kingdom of heaven, the one who is the least of these in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Now, because John gets this compliment, I think it begs the question as we close today, just what was it about him that made him so great? We ought to think about that. John, first thing is this, it's not on your notes, but um, his life was focused on pointing people to Jesus. That's what his whole life was focused on. And, you know, it's why one of the core values of our church is that we are engaged with others as ambassadors for Christ, that we are to represent Christ to people in the world. And I think this Christmas is so important. Understanding this whole plan of God, putting this puzzle together is so important because as we understand it, we're like, hey, I got it. I'm going to, the world needs to know this. People need to know this. We're to be ambassadors for Christ. And that means we're to represent Christ. Our actions should reveal that we follow Jesus. Our speech, by our speech, it's evident that we, we represent Christ. Our lives show that Jesus is our Savior. So can I challenge you with something? And this is on the screen. 
Can, can I challenge you to train yourself to share the gospel? We've got to train ourselves to do this. We've got to understand how this puzzle together, comes together. Train ourselves to do this. And um, you know what, what we do with our new members class, and I love this. If you've joined in the last couple of years, you've done this. And I want to challenge you, if, you, if you're, you've been around a while, this is a good practice. One of the ways that Brad Ayler has, has brought to our new members, and I love this, he, he asks every one of our people, everyone, everyone that's going to join our church to, to write their testimony down and, and, and write down, what was my life like before I met Christ? I would challenge you to do this week, this week one page. Write down, what was my life like before I met Christ? Second question is this, how did I meet Christ? And then the third question is this, what difference has it, has it made since I trusted Christ? Would you, I would challenge you to write that down. That, that's one way to just train yourself to share the gospel. How did you meet Jesus? It's brilliant. It's, it's easy. We make it so hard when it's just really tell how you met Jesus. We've got to train ourselves to share the gospel. And John was focused on pointing people to Jesus, and that's something that made him so great. Second thing about him, he urgently warned people to repent and turn from their sin. That's the second thing about John. Why was he so great? He, ur- he was urgent. He warned people, hey, you need, you need a Savior. You need to be saved. Come to Jesus. Turn to him. Don't stay like you are. Follow Jesus. And... And you know, I'm learning. The more I start to pray, the more burden I have for the lost. And can I challenge you to pray that you'll see people like Jesus sees people? I tell you, if you start praying that, that'll make a huge difference in your life. Your walk with God will be like going from a black and white television set to HD. Man, follow Jesus, pray, seek him. Prayer changes things. Another thing about John, we see it in Matthew 11, we see it in his life, and, and, and he stayed faithful to the call even when it was hard and confusing. That was what John did. It was confusing at times. It was hard at times. He, he, he ended up getting his head cut off right in the middle of God's will. That's interesting to me. But he was faithful. And and one of the things that we see about John the Baptist, he had the power of the Holy Spirit. And guess what we can do as believers in Christ? We can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I challenge you to do that? Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Walk with the Lord. And, you know, I want to end with this. Um. I wanted to interview Barry He's sitting right over here, and I talked to him on Thursday, and he said, I, I, you can share it if you want. So, so I'm taking my privilege because you told me I could, okay? Barry, uh, if, you've, um, um, if, if you're on Facebook and you saw the video I made a couple week, weeks ago, I guess, about Barry's story, how, how his company was purchased and he was salesman of the year for his company. The next week, his company was purchased by a big company, and, uh, and his job was eliminated. And he's, he's made the statement to me, Chris, I've got stage four cancer. Who's going to hire a guy, a top salesman with stage four cancer? And I said, man, I don't know. 
Um, but the next, about two days later, he goes to pray with us and just says, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk with you. And I put it on Facebook. You can watch it. It'd be worth your time. But, but um, um, I got to tell you what he said to me on Thursday. He called me and he said, um, I got to tell you this story. <laughs> he said, um, the, the boss that eliminated my position, I've discovered has a three-year-old child with the same type of cancer that, that God has helped me manage and has eliminated in my body. And he said, um, I called that boss Thursday. And he said, hey, I just want you to know your three-year-old may not be able to tell you what's going on in his body, but I have the same type of cancer. And whether you are a three-year-old or a 43-year-old, the reality is that does the same thing to your body. He may not, your, your child may not be able to articulate what he's feeling. If you have questions, I'd love to help you. And that guy was silent. And he said to Barry, he goes, I just eliminated your job of 20 years. And you're calling to help me? And Barry said, hey, I, hey, I want you to know this isn't about us. It isn't about you and me. I want to beat your three-year-old to heaven. And it's not about us. And he goes, I'm a Christian. And we act in peculiar ways. And um, the guy started crying on the phone. Barry's like, hey, okay, it's okay. He goes, just when you get it, when you kind of gather your thoughts and process this a little bit, here's my number and I'm here to help you. And he prayed over him and they got off the phone. And I was like, Barry, you need to come preach. I need to sit down this week. You need to preach. You know, one of the best ways to show Christ, share Christ with people is to forgive. And I got to watch that man do that this week. Let me tell you something. John taught us to represent Christ. This plan at Christmas, one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle that it was perfectly executed. That's just the joy of following the Lord. He perfectly executes his plan in history and in our lives. You can trust him.